Well, if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 5. We're talking about Jesus. And last week we talked about how that Jesus is our healer. I want to talk about Jesus as our redeemer today. It's so important that we as Christians, especially where we're living at in history right now, you know, I, I'm so excited for 2020. I know for me personally, I feel like I've stepped into a new place. I believe that as the year turns and as we start this new decade, I believe the whole body of Christ is going to step into a new place. And so I, I got to tell you, it's like a move of God. You want to be ready for it. Boy, you can sense it coming. If he's first and, and you know you, you know who you are in him, you'll sense it. If you're, if you're up to here with life and you're living for yourself and you're living far below where God has you, you might not sense it. But just, just get ready. I would really encourage you because I believe God has great plans. Great plans. I believe the church is going to wake up, be revived, and we're going to see a revival on this planet that, that the planet has never seen. And we're going to get to be a part of it. I know that burns in my heart. I talk about it all the time. You know, pastoring, pastoring in a church environment where everybody's up to here with their life and God's not first, it's, it's a little interesting because you have to, you just, you know, you have to, like today as I'm ministering, I'm only ministering to people who have ears to hear. You know, as I go throughout my life, you too, you go throughout your life and you minister to people who have ears to hear. And you know, Satan has got ditches for everybody. You know, for those who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, they get in this ditch of thinking that they know everything. And, and, and it's really hard for them to stay teachable because they know everything. And uh, I think if there's one thing that's funny, if you ever find yourself thinking you know everything, uh, you're, you're going down a wrong path, you know. Uh, so, so we know in part, and, but boy, the part we know is so wonderful. So anyway, I think, I think pastoring and revival would be awesome. Trying to figure out how in the world can I get to church. It's gridlock everywhere because all these churches are just filling up with people because we actually have the answer, right? So 1 Timothy chapter 2, let's look at this. It says, for there is one God. Jesus is not a way to God. He's the way to God, right? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. There's only one. This Greek word mediator, it's a Greek noun. It means one who intervenes between two so in this case, it would be the one who intervenes between God the Father and mankind to bring order and to restore peace and friendship and to guarantee a new and better covenant. There's only one that could have done that, and that's Jesus, right? It says here, it answers the question, it says, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. In the New Living Translation, I love this translation because it really brings out the Greek, the literal Greek meaning. It says, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile. This word reconcile literally means to call back into union God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. Verse six, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And that's the gospel message. Jesus came to purchase freedom for you. Not, not to put a bunch of rules on you, not to get you to be religious. See, the reason why we have so many empty chairs is because we don't know that. Oh, wait, Pastor, no, you said that wrong. It's because the world looks at Jesus wrong. Right. Because we don't know that. See, when we're talking about an awakening, 
Who has to wake up? The church. When we talk about a revival, what is a revival? When the church is revived. What's the byproduct of that? Oh, multitudes of people will get saved. Right? It says here, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. See, we don't know that. Because we still think we're not free. Do you know as you're sitting here this morning, if you've invited Christ into your life, you are completely free. The only reason why you feel anything that would try to tell you you're not free is it's an illusion of bondage that's in your unrenewed mind. That's all it is. But when you realize, wait a minute, whoever whoever the Son has made free is free indeed, right now. As you're sitting here today... Everything that you'll ever need in life has already been given to you. All the healing, all the finances, all the peace, all the joy, there's nothing that can ever overtake you because the greater one lives in you. Isn't that amazing? He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And this message has been preached for almost 2,000 years. But I got to tell you, it's going to be preached in greater measure. So we look at Jesus. You have to understand when we talk about Jesus, like I love, I, I love this children's play. I love these songs because it talks about Jesus in a manger. And, and it's amazing how God sovereignly led Joseph and Mary. They're going, you know, they have a census, so they've got to go. She's pregnant. She's on this donkey. I mean, could you imagine? I've never been pregnant, you know, but I wouldn't want, I don't think, I don't think you would have liked being on a donkey on uneven ground when you're like, Eight, you know, eight months pregnant, whatever, right? They find out there's no, there's, there's absolutely no place to stay. They end up in a stall. But all the time, they don't realize that this was not, actually, it was a cave. But they didn't realize that these shepherds actually were priests. And their, their job as priests were to take care of the lambs that would eventually be sacrifices. And so they laid Jesus in a manger and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. If you study what that is, that's what the shepherds would do with all the little baby sheep. Because baby sheep will run and they'll bump into a rock and they'll get a little mark on them and then that disqualifies them from being the spotless lamb. So if you were to go back in time and you were to see, have you ever seen a little baby? It's like they look like a little burrito, right? They're just wrapped, (laughs) right? So you would have seen Jesus just in this little manger. I mean, think about it. The creator of the universe is, is in this little baby. I mean, that's amazing. Right? And, and he's just like this little burrito sitting there. And he would have looked exactly like the little lambs that were all wrapped to protect them. Why? Because he was the Lamb of God. He was coming to this earth. So you got to know this. He was born a man. The reason why he was born a man is to reveal God's love for mankind. He was born, he had to be born. See, he put away his godly attributes and power. He took upon himself flesh and was born in the form of a man so that he could redeem us. Jesus lived as a man. Why? you got to understand this because he didn't live on this earth as God. 
He lived on this earth as a man to give us an example how a man who has been freed from sin can live on this earth. You have to understand that to understand he's your redeemer. So he was born a man. He, he lived on the earth as a man, right? Jesus died as a man. He died to take our place. He died as a man to take our sin nature, right? All of our sin, all of our sin nature, all the result of spiritual death was condemned in his body. He also took every sickness, every disease, all pain, all poverty, all lack. That's what he redeemed us from. He died as a man to bear all these things so that we do not have to bear them. I, I mean, if you talk to people, everyone on this planet, the Bible says, is without excuse. Every human being who's ever lived is without excuse. The Bible says that everyone who does not accept Christ as their Lord will one day stand before the God who loved them so much that he sent his son to die for them and they'll have to stand before him and they will be judged for all of the sin that Jesus paid for because they chose not to. And how you go down this road, we understand it. The Bible says that when a man chooses, and I say man or woman, chooses not to glorify God as God and is not thankful they are given over to their vain imaginations and their foolish heart is darkened. So now to make themselves feel better, they'll say, well, I'm an atheist. I could live the way I want because there is no God. Come on, preach it. Well, okay. So Bible says you're a fool, right? But why, why is that person a fool? It's because they chose not to glorify God as God. They were not thankful they were given over to vain imaginations and their heart was darkened. We see other scriptures where it says that Satan is able to blind the minds of people who choose to believe not. So this is why for us who have been redeemed are to live on this earth as Jesus. We're to walk like he walked. We're to do his works. We're to show the world who he is because God even though he knows an individual will never bow and give them his life, he will still come after that man because the love of God endures long and, and he'll constantly be coming after this individual because God is not moved by where a person's at. He was moved in his love for mankind and he came and he solved all the problems for man. So he came, Jesus died as a man to redeem us from the curse of the law so that we can be born again so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon us. Right? So now we are literally made new and we are now empowered. We have the Holy Spirit within us so now we can know God. Right? We can, we can walk in the faith of God and by the faith of God, we can walk in the love of God. And now the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us, we could led, be led by the Spirit of God. And if a man will choose not to walk, stand, or sit in areas where the world is just pouring into them, but if they will choose to delight in the Lord, which is delighting in his word and meditate in it day and night, they'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Their leaf won't wither. They'll yield all of their fruit in their season. These are lives being changed. And everything in their life, what they do in their, in their uh, relationship between husband and wife, what they do with their children and family, what they do in the ministry, what they do as career Everything in life will be brought to maturity by God. Jesus was also raised from the dead as a man. 
Colossians 1.18 says this, and he, talking about Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. See, he raised us up with him. We all know the scripture, right? Or at least we could probably quote it. John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting Zoe life. So see, it's time, guys. The God of heaven, you have to know as a child of God that you're his, that Jesus is your Lord. Stop feeding on the world thinking that you could just live your own life because if you do, you're going to miss this glorious life that God has. Now, will you still be with them in eternity? Absolutely. You still will be. However, be careful. In the church environment that we are living in today, you can't tell if a person's saved or not many times. Because people will say, oh, no, 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 you know, that person, yeah, they accepted the Lord when they were a kid. And you see that person. And they're living. I had, I had a person ask me that I've known for years the other day. He's like, so, so do you think I'm born again? And I said, well, I hope so. And they'd arrested him. They're like, well, what do you mean you hope so? I said, well, when I look at your life, I see absolutely no evidence that you're born again. So I, I don't know if at one point in your life you really did make Jesus the Lord of your life and you're just living out of your flesh. I don't know. I don't see a willingness. I go, I do see a little glitter of you always seem to, when things get really bad in your life, you want God to bail you out. But when, whenever you're, like if I were to press you at all about reading your Bible, going to church, maybe not sleeping around or not doing this or that, you'd be, I'm out. I'm, no, I'm not changing anything. And so that, so I don't know. I said, I sure hope you are. And it scared them. And I said, now, now you can be right now. But I said, it concerns me because the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. So it's, it's obvious that he's not right now. So I said, well, what do you think? Are you willing to give everything up and just follow God? Um, no. Are you willing to start reading your Bible to see where you're at? Yes. Great. Let's start there. Right? See, guys... What we see from Scripture, this is, why this is not the direction I really plan to go. But um, I was, this is just, I'm like, I want to be so uplifting. This actually is uplifting. So, you know, we live in a church environment. Listen, if you have not cracked this book, if you don't have a desire to get to know him, if, you're, if you leave here and you never think about God and you're trying to live your whole life, I hope you're saved. I hope because if you've ever accepted Christ and really believed in your heart, see, this is where everybody's at. Well, I believe that Jesus is God. Okay, that's awesome. But you know, we're not going to see one demon or fallen angel, or Satan in heaven. And every one of them believe Jesus is the Son of God. But in the book of James, it makes everything go south for people because it says this little statement and then talks about it over and over and over again. Faith without corresponding action is dead. It's inactive. It's lifeless. So it's not enough to believe there's got to be action. Now, man, I've directed some big movies on doing things wrong, on, on making mistakes, and I've, I've done things. We, you know, I'd love to tell you I've never lied, but I've been a liar. Come on. 
Even worse, I've gossiped and I've judged people and, and I've done stupid things out there. And guess what? When I stand face to face with the righteous judge of all the earth who is holy in every way, he won't even bring any of it up. You know, if he were to open the book, this is what the book of my life looks like as in relation to sin. There is nothing there. Why? Because I simply said, Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sin. That your father rose you again from the dead and you're seated in heaven. But now I'm putting action to what I believe in my heart. And I proclaim that you're my Lord. And I'm telling you what, when I mess up, I run back to him. Right? Because then I learned from Romans that I can't even sin now that I'm born again, that when I sin, all that's happening is I'm allowing the sin nature that's in my flesh to operate. But I don't have to. But I got to tell you, it talks about in the last days, and this burns in my heart, I don't want anybody who's a part of Faith Family Church to stand before God and go, or, or to close their eyes to this world, thinking they're going up and they're going down and going, what's going on? It says multitudes will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. And Jesus is not going to say, well, you knew me as a little kid, but then you kind of went your own way. He doesn't say that. He said, I never knew you. That's right. never. See, we have churches filled with people that are religious or that have some warm fuzzies about God. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus came to give you his life. And now, here's the balance of all this. Do you know, he doesn't expect me to keep myself. My job is simply to be willing and obedient. Do you know, every time I've ever messed up as a Christian, Jesus has never beat me up about it. He always says, forget it, and come on with me. I've already paid for that. And as I walk and as I get to know him, and here's the reason why I'm saying this. Now I know why. If you don't know, I want to encourage you to get in the word of God. Start reading. Start reading 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Read the gospel of John. Find somebody that will answer questions for you. I challenge you to do that every day. Ask the Lord to reveal himself because we only see, we can only know God through his word from the inside. The more you know him on the inside, the more your life will turn to him. Man, I've been a carnal Christian. There's no life in that. And I got to tell you, what I love, what I love, and this is why we really allow the Holy Spirit to move this is why we preach the word, so that people would awaken to righteousness. If you want to know if you're really awakened to righteousness, oh, you spiritually mature, wonderful, wonderful person who thinks you know everything, ask yourself how many people you've led to Christ this year and how many people you're discipling. Ooh, pastor, you are never going to grow numbers like this. <laughs> I disagree. Come on, preach it. Good preaching. I'm here to tell you today, and I'm talking to a bunch of believers. Yes, you are. If you will just look down on the inside of yourself and just, just, just start putting him first in your life, you'll all of a sudden meet yourself one day. And you are a totally under control madman for Jesus. Because found people find people. And you'll come with your little leather binder and you're really cool in the 900 series on faith, but you're going to be wanting to learn all the nuggets not so that you can know one more thing and feel good. But you'll, you'll be like, oh my gosh, it's no longer what I know. It's I'm getting to know him. And when I get to know him, Everything changes. I don't do this very often, but I have to do it once in a while. Because, see, we go through, we, we live in a society, don't you love the term happy holidays? Oh, right? 
happy. What's, what, what's, what's happy about a holiday? This is, this is about the anointed mass. This is Christmas, right? Yeah. Jesus was, was raised from the dead as a man. God loves you. It took an incredible price to redeem you. So now run over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. He's our redeemer. He took our place. Don't, I, I hope today when you leave this place, now if you're beating yourself up right now, that's not God. God never beats you up. Right? God, he's all about forget the past and follow me. If we compared, we would probably be shocked if we could compare what people have done. Because some people, man, they just look really good now that they're cleaned up. There might be some people you'd be like, what, are you kidding? That was you? And you're like, yeah, no, that wasn't me. I was, if, if I was born again, I was just living like, I, like somebody else, right? If you want to see who you really are, you got to look in the word of God. You're a man or woman of faith. You're filled with the love of God. You're fearless and courageous. You walk in love so you don't consider yourself. You're long-suffering with people. You don't ever beat people over the head with a Bible. You encourage them and build them up. Right? Because that's what God does, always. It's the goodness of God that leads us to change our mind, to go deeper with him. It's the goodness of God that leads the world to leave spiritual death and embrace life. And Jesus came to give man freedom in life. So it says here in Galatians 3.13, you guys doing okay? I just had this moment of intensity that came out of my spirit. But it's all good. But it's dripping with the love of God. It says Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. This word redeemed means he ransomed and he rescued us out of one place and put us into another place. I am no longer under the curse of the law now. The curse, what is the curse of the law? It's the curse that came upon man as a result of breaking God's law. Jesus redeemed us from the curse that came on man when he disobeyed God's commands. Did God bring the curse? No. God never curses. The curse came into this earth. We see it when Adam and Eve violated God's law. It says sin entered the world. And death came into the world by sin. After this, we see sickness and disease. We see poverty and lack. We see all this stuff happening. We see fear. We see all of these things. Murder. All of these things came as a result of this. And the Bible says in the Old Testament that the curse causeless will not come. It always has a cause. We see all through the Old Testament, he's still in the New Testament, that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's walking around seeing whom he can devour. He can't devour everyone. And he can't devour you. Because you're in Christ. You've been redeemed. You've been taken out of his delegated influence of, of darkness and you've been put into the kingdom of God. That's where you are right now. Jesus did this. This includes spiritual death, sickness, disease, pain, poverty, and lack. He bought you out of all that. So if you have any of that in your life now, it has no legal right, and you could use the authority in the name of Jesus to get it out. Because you're good enough? Nope. None of us were good enough. It's all because of him. How are you going to walk holy before him? How are you even... How are you even going to hunger after him? The Bible says that he empowers you with a desire to serve and walk with him. And he works it out for you. Our job is to just be willing and obedient. So don't listen to a lot of the nonsense that you hear in the Christian world. Listen to what the word of God is saying to you. And I've got to tell you, God will always get it over to you. 
right? See, this is what happens to Word of Faith people because we know our rights and privileges in Christ. But because we're still living for ourselves, we have all these blind spots, so things aren't working out. So then we get to the point where we're just like, okay, well, I just got to, you know, I just, I just don't care anymore. I'm just deadened to it. I, you know, and what you're doing is you're just going, you're letting bitterness run you. You're just going, you know, I'm just going to, I've been believing God for this forever and it's not happening, so I'm just going to let go and I'm just going to say whatever. Don't let the enemy do that to you. When you walk with God, you will have a burning desire in your heart to get everything in this realm, in the natural realm in your life that Jesus provided for you, and you will refuse to put up with anything that's not him. That's part of walking with the Lord. So this was written... This was written to Gentiles. He redeemed us. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do it? He was made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That's Deuteronomy 21, 23. See, the problem is not that man is a sinner. That's not the problem. The problem is that man is spiritually dead. That's why he sins. Well, then why do Christians sin? Well, you can't. But why you allow sin to operate in your members, in your flesh, is because you don't know that you've been redeemed. You just don't walk in a revelation of it. And you got to have a feeling but have you noticed feelings don't really do it long-term, right? The curse, it could either come, the curse of the law could either come from the Ten Commandments or the Mosaic Law, the curse of the law. Well, if you study it out, it's not the Ten Commandments, it's the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law came out of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those books were penned by Moses, they were called the Pentateuch. They were called the Mosaic Law. Well, if you look at it, in Deuteronomy 28, from about verse 15 or 16, all the way through 60-something, it lays out the curse of the law. We see very clearly that this curse includes sickness, disease, pain, poverty, lack, emotional issues, depression, anxiety, all this stuff. It means poverty, lack, all of it. You've been redeemed from it. Not going to be redeemed. You've been redeemed from it. Hallelujah. We're redeemed from the entire curse of the law, literally spirit, soul, and body. What's interesting is this covenant does not belong to the Jewish people. It belongs to the church. You have to be born into it. Verse 14 says that Christ redeemed us that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, that we have the ability now to get saved. In other words, we have been separated. Now, I'm talking about you and I right now. You have been separated from the curse and separated to the blessing. Wow. So don't put up with the curse. You've been redeemed from it. Don't ever allow anything that looks like it in your life anymore. If it's in your life, get it out. You have the name of Jesus to get it out. Look at this. It says that the blessing of Abraham. This word blessing, in the Greek language, it means a liberal pool of resources that is designed to help and bless, got to get it right, others. What? But pastor... I come to Faith Family Church. I'm blessed. You mean all this is so that I could be a blessing to others? Absolutely. 
Because as you, as you walk in the blessing of God, well, it says the blessing of God makes rich. The blessing of Abraham, we see the blessing of Abraham. It makes rich. That's a byproduct. If you were to really meet yourself, you would so not be about you. You're not even made to be about you. You wouldn't be moved. Somebody despitefully uses you, you'd be like, I want to bless them. Lord, don't hold it against them. Because I've been blessed with this liberal, more than enough pool of resources where my whole life I can bless others while God just harvests into me. So I don't have to think about myself. Boy, that's life on a new level. Did Jesus ever think of himself? No. Does God the Father think of himself? No. No. It says here that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So being redeemed from spiritual death enables us to have and live and walk in the life of God, God's quality of life. What is spiritual death? Spiritual death is defined as man's spirit is separated from God. We couldn't break out of that. We were separated from the life of God and Jesus came and took our place. So now I no longer, he, he, he brought me together with God. Isn't that good news? Spiritual death is man's spirit being separated from God the result or the, uh, one of the manifestations of spiritual death is physical death, right? Physical death is a result of spiritual death. This is why our bodies age and will die because our bodies are not glorified. My spirit's brand new, but my body is subject to sickness, disease, age, all this stuff. So, but Jesus came and he redeemed me from the curse so that I could live on this earth strong, healthy, to serve him. That when the enemy attacks or if he attacks or if I do something stupid and, or maybe before I got saved I fried my brain with drugs, whatever it is. Hey, guess what? Did you wear out a joint? Did you wear out an organ? There's another one for you. Right? So he, he's your healer. He's your provider today. Yeah, but pastor, I made every mistake as a child of God. Me too. But guess what? I was saved. I'm saved. I'm always saved. I'm always brand new. See, in Christ, when he says, behold, I make all things new, it's always new. Guess what? I'm brand new. Oh, guess what? I'm brand new. Man, oh, I messed up. Guess what? I'm still brand new. Right? You know who's keeping us out? You know who keeps you from finding out who you are in Christ? From being this radical, full of the word, full of the love of God person more than anybody else? You. My biggest problem in my life, I see him in the mirror every time I look. And, and if I really zone in on the problem, it's only an inch underneath my nose. But praise God, I could fill my heart with the word of God and it'll renew my mind and now I can start speaking right, believing right, acting right. But I can't take credit for it. It's all him. Don't make your life all about you. Christianity is really hard if you make it all about you. And don't, don't fix others. Man, I walk in so, I'm so grateful to God for all the revelation I walk in as a pastor. I mean, my knowledge of the word, what's really funny is the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. But when I get around people, I'm sitting here, you know, I look at all of you and I'm just like, do you know God has shown me so much in here that I'm anointed to preach this stuff, but I am not anointed to walk it out. We all walk it out the same. So I am never, if you leave early, if you do this, if you mess up, 
I'm, I'm not even ever thinking about any of that because I'm up to here with me. So I just stay willing and obedient. And if I jump out here and say something or do something stupid, I'll jump back really quick because of the word in me. So take all the pressure off yourself. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith, right? God did something in us so that he could put something on us. That's exactly Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So here is the gospel message. So now, none of you have an excuse. You can go out as mad people witnessing for God right now. Here's the message. I'm going to do a whole series on evangelism. Jesus, this is what you say, Jesus has ransomed people from the curse of the law so that God's blessing could come on them. That's our message. Jesus took my place so that I could have his freedom. And, and, and a lot of the church will sit there and go, that's way too simple. No, no, that's the message. When Jesus sent out the 70, what was their message? They'd walk into a village and go, the kingdom of God has come near you. And then they'd lay hands on sick people to, to dis display that. And God would heal them. That was their message. Our message is, Jesus came and died for us. Now you could have his life. God's not mad at you. The message is not, you better be in church. You better, you know, you better say so many Hail Marys. You better pray hard enough. You better, you better memorize scripture. And you better not do this or that or this or that or this or that. And, and I got to tell you, those of us who are older that grew up in that, you know, many of us live in turmoil because we know we're to be in church. We know we're all this stuff. And many of us still come to church. The younger generation who doesn't know anything about it goes, if that's God, I don't want anything to do with him. Right? But that's not, we're not preaching the message. We just keep it simple and let God be God. Keep your life simple. Let God be God. Don't try to bless yourself. Let him bless you. Don't try to heal yourself. Let him heal you. Now eat right, exercise, whatever, follow his lead, but let him orchestrate all of it. In verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3, I made a statement. I said, this is not for the Jews, it's for the church. And this is why I said that. If you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So now, if you take this, though, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. You guys doing okay? This is so important. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 says this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. But in other words, but we have received the spirit which is of God. Why? that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. In other words, if I did not have the Holy Spirit living in me, there's no way I could know the things that are freely given to me by God. Right? There's no way I could know that. But guess what? He put a new spirit in me and then put the Holy Spirit in me for one reason, so that I can know him. And see, now that I know him, I can now know what he's freely given me. A peace which passes all understanding. A joy that brings me strength. And I could rise up when I face things and my emotions are freaking out and circumstances are all around me that look bad and all this stuff. And I just down on the inside of me where I know God, I know him. And I know he's with me always. I know he's for me. I know he, he has already worked on my behalf and now he's down there to lead me into it. In other words, I know it's all going to be okay. 
It's going to work out. You can, you can know this. All hell breaking on the outside, peace on the inside. That's what he has for us. Verse 13, which things also we speak. See, notice I speak about these things all the time in church, don't I? God's provided healing. He's provided this and provided that, right? But look at how we speak. These things also we speak, but not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, we rely on the Holy Ghost. Like right now, I'm talking, but he is talking to all of us exactly what we need. Verse 14, but the natural man, in other words, the natural part of you even, your senses, right, receives not the things of the Spirit of God. If somebody's not born again, they're spiritually dead, their spirit is separate from, from God, they, don't be surprised if they don't receive these things. All the Holy Spirit's going to talk to them about, he's going to wake up their conscience to let them know that, listen, God loves you and has a plan for your life. And he'll wake them up to that so that they can make a decision and choose Jesus. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The word discern means you to see, to know, and to understand. All of these things with God are spiritually discerned. This is why we have this doctrine that God heals some and not others. And he blesses some and not others. And you never really know what God's going to do because his ways are higher than our ways. That makes total sense to our natural mind, but it's not God. It's not his word. God is up there going, no, my word says I'm no respecter of persons. What I've done for one, I'll do with all, for all. There's no variableness in me. There's no shadow of turning. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above for me. See, so today, as we just literally go to the Lord wherever we are and go, Lord, I'm making a decision today. I just want you and I want to walk with you. Now, you know my life. I don't really know how to do that. I've kind of lived my own life. I've messed up. I, 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 I try, but I keep, I keep failing. And I'm, but I'm, I keep hearing that your way is easy. It's, your burden's light. Your yoke is easy. Faith is a rest. So I'm coming to the end of myself, and I'm just asking you, lead me into it. You know, we saw in Paul's letter to the church at, uh, of, of Corinth, it, he said this, he said, the grace of God, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. And we broke that down Wednesday night. The communion, the koinonia was the Greek word of the Holy Spirit be with you. And we learned that the greater one that lives on the inside of us, this word koinonia means First thing he does is he pulls you into his inner circle, just you and him. And then he partners with you. So he has a vested interest in you fulfilling and walking out all the blessings that Jesus provided for you. But that's not even enough. Then he takes total responsibility for you. So he's down there going, man, just give me an opportunity and I'll start, I'll, I'll help you. So today, don't try to figure it out. Just start reading your Bible. Just start putting God first. Where do I start? You know, you'll just have this desire come up in your heart. I think I should do this. I think I should do that. Maybe I should turn my TV off. Maybe I should stop listening to secular music and start listening to music that declares the word of God. What's he trying to do? He's just trying to shut off the world? See, the reason why in the church today that we're a mess, because here we are, we have one foot in the world and one foot in God. 
So I listen to all this nonsense music that so much of it, if you actually hear the words, are very contrary to what God's word says. But it's hidden because maybe many times you don't even hear the words, or at least you think you don't hear the words, but you, you're, you hear the words. And all of a sudden, you're talking to yourself about how stupid you are and you don't measure up and this and that. And, and you know, your parents told you you were stupid. They, you never amount to anything. And then at work, you know, you, you, you got fired here or this didn't work out or they laid you off. And, and your whole life, you got all this sound that's trying to keep you from knowing that you are a world overcomer. So the Holy Spirit will simply start helping you turn some things off. He'll, he'll flip you around and get you in a circle of close friends that are following God and walking with God instead of keeping everybody close to your life that's not following God, which makes it impossible for you to follow God. Right? So he'll, he'll help you. He'll orchestrate it if you'll let him. See, the problem is here. People are trying to understand God and know God with their natural mind. They're trying to perceive him with their feelings. However, you don't contact God with your mind. Your feelings don't lead you to God. Right? The natural man cannot receive spiritual things. Spiritual things can only be spiritually known. So to know God, you're going to have to know him on the inside. And oh, I'm so glad about that. Because I'm telling you, when you know him on the inside, all of a sudden, you'll start being moved on the inside, not on the outside. Have you, have you been in life? Sometimes things on the outside can get pretty crazy, can't they? Really fast. When you get a revelation on the inside that God is for you, whether or not you deserve it, he's just for you. And he's with you and he'll never lead you. When you get a revelation of that on the inside, it changes everything. Because this is what happens. as you get, Never forget this. The more you get to know him on the inside, what it does is it turns your life towards him. Everybody's trying to live for God. They're trying to feel spiritual. Right? You know, I could come out here and I could have this big prophetic word and it could be supernatural and all of a sudden I'm telling Laurel about things in her life that I, I would have no way of knowing and everybody would go, Pastor's so spiritual. But you know, the church at Corinth was doing that. Right? No, that has nothing to do with me. That's a gift of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The church at Corinth was very carnal, operating in these gifts. It's funny. But oh, if you'll just get to know him on the inside, it'll turn your life to him. If you'll... If you'll literally worry about nothing but pray about everything with thanksgiving because his answers are always yes to you, then the peace of God will come and it'll mount guard over your heart and your mind and it'll help you. you. See, there's, there's something in your spirit. It's a spiritual force. It's called patience. It's a fruit of your spirit. And what happens is patience. We obtain the promises of God through faith and patience. So what happens when you're pressed on the outside? Patience, along with faith, rises up on the inside. And what patience does is it undergirds your mind to keep your eyes. It literally undergirds your mind to keep your eyes on Jesus while all hell is breaking loose hopelessness, everything, there's no way out, there's no way this is going to work, you don't have enough money, you're going to die physically of sickness and disease. But when you keep your eyes on him, patience will rise up and it'll undergird your mind to keep 
you thinking and speaking what you should until what's on the outside comes in line with God's word. That's how we obtain the promises of God through faith and patience. Don't try to be strong in yourself. None of us are strong enough in ourselves. As you're ministering to others, don't, don't talk to them about how strong they need to be. Talk to them how strong God is. Right? So let's keep going with this. Knowing more about him on the inside causes my life to turn to him. When you gain knowledge of him on the inside, it transforms your life. So, Jeremiah chapter 31, in verse 33, at the end of this verse, it says this. God says, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Guys, this is what's so important why I'm talking to you guys about this right now. Because you're surrounded by Christians most of which do not know who they are, they've never been taught, they don't know how to walk these things out, and they need to be encouraged and built up so that they would stop beating themselves up. Because they're buying the lies of the enemy, and all the time God's like, listen, I'm for you. I'm not beating you up. Right? See, God knows people. He knows who you really are. He likes what he sees. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So so as you see, we can't give what we don't have. So get ready. God wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants wants to show up and work in your life. So just take all the limits off what he can do. Stop beating yourself up. Get full of the word. Allow him to move. And then just walk around. Just, Just... wear off on people like during worship man i i don't know if you sensed it there was such a supply coming out of you it was affecting me i'm, I'm lifting my hands and i'm like what i i looked and it, it was just you, your hands were like this and it was just it was a supply that was just affecting me i'm telling you when you come to this church you bring a supply that's about a million times bigger than you think it is and here's the thing When you come in and you're at the end of your own ability, that's when that supply really works. When you're just like, oh my gosh, I have an inability here to make this thing happen. I can't do anything else. It's over. If it's up to me, it's over. And then you realize, but it's not up to me because I'm not my own. And where my strength stops, that's where his is made perfect and there's no limits to him. And I'm telling you, that's when it gets really good. God writes his law in your heart as you walk with him. When God speaks things or reveals things to your heart, you come to know something about him. And when you face anything in life, that's what holds you steady. Every time you step out on the word of God, God will show you something else about himself. And that's what holds you steady. So in other words, my walk of faith that's out of the boat, it's my foundation is the rock of Jesus Christ. It's knowledge of who he is. I know him. He's my God. I'm in him. He's in me. And now when the storms of life come, the word of God tells me it won't even shake me. There's a place in God where you'll never be shook again. Everything about God and your relationship with him is about him showing you who he really is. That's what it's all about. So many times, you need him to talk to you about what you're supposed to do. Have you noticed this? you got to make a decision. This is, as a pastor, this is just all the time for me. I'm always going to God, okay, I, I need to know this. And, you know, you get a little stressed because, you, you know, we need to know right now. I, I'm a man. i got to take this off my list, right? And have you ever noticed Jesus is just kind of like, oh, Tony, come here. Come here, I just want to talk to you. 
I want to show you something else about me. God, that's great. Father, that's awesome, but I need to know what to do. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I hear you. Come on over here. Let me tell you something about me. You think he's beating around the bush. He's trying to show you the, your answer. Because all your answer is always going to be found in him. Always. Always found in him. Isn't salvation knowing him? So here is the progression. So if you, so we've come right to this point today. You could say, okay, so here is the principle. We've talked about the heart and the mechanics, but here's the principle. Number one, you put God's word first. In other words, you're willing to be a doer of this word, right? Number two, he reveals himself and you progress. But it all starts with you making a decision, I'm going to do the word. I'm going to put it first place in my life. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? When you start this process, you'll go, I don't know. But the minute you submit to that, he will reveal something about himself, and then you'll progress. In other words, you make a decision to be a doer, he reveals himself, and then you're able to be a doer. If he doesn't reveal himself, you can't do it. In other words, all the pressure's on him, not you. This is faith. This is PhD level faith. This is the cure for everything in your life. This is why Isaiah 119 literally says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best that the land can provide. Doesn't say if you're a certain age. Nope, this is for everybody. Didn't John 8, 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Right? If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then you'll know the truth. And what will the truth do? It will make you free. So I continue in the word. I'm, I'm minding my little business. I'm meditating in the word, right? Right? And all of a sudden, I know something about him, and it makes me free. I'm not trying to get free. I've been born free. I am free. So God, yeah, I put your word first. I'm going to be a doer. God's going great. He reveals something in his word, and it causes me to progress. Something about him. Not a faith principle. Him. He is faith. He is the word. The scripture, Jesus wept, that's Jesus. There's, there's probably more revelation in there that we've never even seen before. The primary avenue for which you and I are going to have a living connection with him is through his word. God's word is the foundation for us to walk with him in relationship. God's word is him speaking to you. So what do we do? We daily deposit his word in our hearts. This isn't just a religious act that I do. I'm not part of the New Age movement where two times a day I go under gold domes and I say this word inside of me over and over. I'm not a Muslim where a couple times a day I pray certain prayers. No, this is relationship. This is where I, he's my whole life, and I put him first in every way. And as I do that, he reveals himself, and it causes me to walk out his path for my life. Now the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Right? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. He anoints my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. See, here's the thing. I'm following him, and as I, every step, is a, it's, it's literally the reason why I can step is because I know him. The reason why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could step into a furnace is because they knew God. 
They knew that God would be there and that the fire would not kindle upon them. That Daniel knew, throw me in a lion's den, I'll hang out with them all night and then you guys are going to be in trouble. He went into that in faith. Jesus went to the cross in faith. You and I walk by faith and what's so cool about that is it's a constant flow of revelation. God revealing. What is God's plan for your life? Real simple. He wants to show you who he is. On this life and all throughout eternity. Amen?